Welcome to Atypical, an offbeat take on news in the addiction recovery field. I am co-host Mary Crocker-Cook from the San Jose City College Alcohol and Drug Studies Program. Be sure and subscribe. Right on, our sixth program. It is. And I'm Gary Montreza, co-host, Executive Director of Pathway Society in San Jose. Our purpose is to both educate and entertain with recent news stories about the addiction field. We've set up our podcast in sections that include drugs, news, an ethics challenge and prevention. And in fact, I'm going to start us off on our first section. Why would you use that to get high? Uh, and okay. today... Oh, oh, no, 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 no. You, you, this okay. is so exciting. Right. Today it's we're not... going to talk about hand sanitizer, okay, Gary. Hand sanitizer. You may have heard about people <laughs> drinking hand sanitizer to get drunk or get a buzz. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Let's, okay, let's see if it's safe. Get it. Um, a typical 240 milliliter Containers hand sanitizer gel contains comparable alcohol to five shots of hard liquor. Ooh. It's hard to say when drinking hand sanitizer came into vogue, but recently it's been a uh, prison inmate started using it as an intoxicant around 2009. You know, yeah. all the best things come out of prison, I Gary. I guess so, yeah. Recent trends mainly practiced by teens include mixing hand sanitizer with Listerine to make a strong minty cocktail, <laughs> mixing the gel with, with salt. <laughs> To separate the alcohol from the gel and distill the alcohol from hand sanitizer. Uh, Okay, so drinking the resulting cocktail is called hand sanitripping, getting a hand sanity fix, getting drunk on Mr. Clean's tears, or getting hand sanitized. So if I see someone licking their hands all the time, you'll know. Maybe you'll know. It could be that if they're not a kitten or a cat. Okay, well here here's the problem. There are different types of alcohol in (laughs) the disinfectant and hand sanitizer and. Only one of them isn't deadly poisonous. Uh, uh, methanol is not used in hand sanitizer because it's toxic and comes through the skin. So when you read a bottle of hand sanitizer, you'll likely see ethyl alcohol listed as an active ingredient mm. around 60%, which is equivalent to 120 proof liquor. In comparison, straight vodka is only 80 proof. Wow. Okay, so other ingredients include um, benzophenone, carboner, fragrance, glycerin, all kinds of stuff I can't pronounce. And some of these ingredients are harmless, others are toxic, but fragrance is the most likely to cause the problem. Problem. Fragrance. Fragrance. That's the ingredient that's going to make you really no poisoned. Yeah, it says um, actually it does contain ethyl alcohol, uh, which could be drunk, except it's denatured, which means adulterated to make it undrinkable. That actually, uh, did you know? It's that, not stopping anyone. It, uh, no, but did you know that during the days of prohibition, denaturing agents included arsenic and benzene? Ooh. Now they use non toxic, foul tasting chemicals but the problem is you can't you don't know which one when you read the label benzene, not that these kids are reading the label i'm just benzene saying is a fuel additive yes right? um the main risk of drinking hand sanitizer isn't from the toxic chemicals chemicals actually with the extremely high alcohol content um, people wind up hospitalized because of overdose oh. yeah so pretty pretty gnarly actually uh, the alcohol content so high, you can actually um, drink a bit of it before you start to even realize or feel the effects. No kidding. So I know, I know that it is, you know, going into germ holiday season. People are going to be getting germs, but yeah. you know, I'm just saying that we need to pay attention to how quickly the hand sanitizer is disappearing Ooh, in yeah. your home. <laughs> you squirting it into their mouth, yeah. into their cocktail glass. That, that would be yeah. That's sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that gives it. Yeah, 
a new go. term, a new way to look at tumblers, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. So anyway, that's pretty nasty, but you know how oh, I love to share nasty things with you, Gary. So it there is you go. nasty. I got one for you. So okay. we're doing a podcast, right? Yeah, we are. We we're are. not televising it. <laughs> no. So how come we still have a makeup person? Sit here and go through makeup, and no one's going to see this. Well, Gary, I think you look mighty pretty yeah, okay, in your I'm makeup. I'm just saying it before we start. It's unbelievable what we have to go it's through. It's worth it, babe. It is. It's worth it, yeah. You can tell the program is really, uh, we've increased um, our, our professionalism. Our professionalism. <laughs> And the audience has grown really yeah, large. Yeah, so we get more and more people in this in this little closet. Yeah, <laughs> someone sponsored a makeup person, but we're like, we don't even televise this. It's not even on TV. So, but we're not one to turn down. Well, we free don't turn offers, it down. So, so we, there it is. We're in full makeup. Um, all right. Well, thank you for the hand sanitizer um, uh, warning. I'll call mm -hmm. it. And there it let's is. Let's shift into our, our next section. It's news and addiction with a focus on Wall Street. Okay. And I must admit, full disclosure, before I even do this article, I was triggered rather heavily. Oh. By this article. Do tell. Yeah, and I'll, you'll probably it'll probably come out and seep out okay. as I go through the article. Okay. I hope you can forgive me and oh. the audience. Um, you know, you think about Wall Street. What's the first thing you think about? Money. You think about money. And so it's a little bit scary when you look at the market going up and down and you might think to yourself, are these people high? <laughs> In fact, they're high. Yes, Some of them are. are high, you know, so I, I'm going to just first start with the definition of that I'll refer back to later in the article. The, de the term is affluenza. Has anyone heard of that? Term? Affluenza. Have you heard of the term? I heard about that kid that was arrested. Yeah, well, here it is. Extreme materialism, consumerism associated with the pursuit of wealth and success and resulting in a life of chronic dissatisfaction, debt, overwork, stress, and impaired relationships. Oh. Affluenza is particularly rampant in the U.S. Oh. Really? Yeah. Okay, let's Okay, that's not a shock, Gary. But... It's not a shock. Okay, so let's shift over to our article. This is from Bloomberg. The title of the article, The Opioid Addict on the Trading Floor. So, oh, okay. So the folks trading. Wall Street professionals get hooked and some executives see an opportunity. Side note, because they're capitalists. Oh, my God. So... Here okay. we go. Um, this is how I got triggered. Uh -huh. So I'm going to try to be serious about the article, but if I start, you know, decompensating, I'll 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 step in. Me back. I'll step in, buddy. Okay, okay, thank you. So uh, things got bad for this trader, uh, Trey. Trey. Yes, uh, Laird. He was drinking alone after work, doing cocaine on an evening train to Connecticut, and his biggest problem was he was swallowing about 160 milligrams of OxyContin every day. Oh, my God. So he spent his time you know, thinking about it and what he's going to do and coming down and running out of the markets and the Manhattan offices to go find a dealer. So also we'll interrupting a, his work day. Yeah, yeah. We call that a full-blown addiction. Yeah, we would say that's an addiction. Uh, we, yeah. we would say so. So. Laird now, he's 47. He's no longer doing that. He's been clean. He's in a different business. And um, this is where it gets kind of interesting. He opened in 2016 a sober living environment. Okay. And what I'm not telling you yet, it's called Lighthouse. Okay. And you think it's kind of cool, isn't it? It's kind well, of, Lighthouse, nice, nice recovery time. Yeah, he's opening yeah. a, a nice sober living home. It's a luxury sober living home in Darien, Connecticut. Okay. And if you want to stay there, one bedroom costs you $1,500 or $15,000 if you want to just be alone. If you want a roommate, though, we'll give you a reduced rate for $12,500. A month? A month. A month. Oh, yes. my God. So okay, the, what know, do you get for that? Oh, my well, goodness. Well, here's what you get. You, <laughs> that's a great question. You get, let's see, I'm going to try to find that part of the article, but there was... Um, 
There's a wine cellar that they ha- have just with Pellegrino in it. Okay. There's all kinds of games there. They have, um, what else did they have there? A gym, okay. a sauna, all a music right. room, a golf simulator. Oh, wow. Yes, a special name they'll give you of the affluent, either Biff, Buff, <laughs> I get my own Harvard yeah. nickname. You get right, right. Woo, Harvard um, nickname. So the the whole idea here is as the epidemic of opioid, the scourge is is moving across the country. It's also hitting the rich and powerful. Okay. Apparently, yeah. Um, because they're very depressed people. Apparently, um, so the addiction has spread into their offices, and some of these executives are saying, "Hey, there's a bottom line here. I can, I can, I can go after." Oh. Yeah. So they're seeing the financial opportunity yes, the scourge of opiate yes, yes, addiction. Yes, yes, a way to make some money. Ew. So this is the parasitic okay. bottom-feeding aspects of Wall Street. Did okay. I say, did oh, I yeah, say that? that slipped out. That was your inside so, voice. I'm sorry. sorry. I said my inside voice. I'll, I'll kind of tamp <laughs> that down. So as we know, if you've watched any movie about you know Wall Street or anything like that, we know that um, painkillers and drugs and fast living is just part of the way it yeah, goes, right? Absolutely. With these folks, that's what they're supposed to do. So uh, one individual, he mentioned in the article, um, Todd Hollander, he was a trader for many, many years, uh, you know, Percocet, Vicodin, all kinds of different things he was taking just to keep going. Okay. You know, and uh, he'd have Percocet with breakfast with orange juice. Oh. And he wouldn't, when he couldn't get his pills, of course, he had really, really severe, uh, what we call withdrawals. Okay. He couldn't explain them. Um, he's still in finance uh, and he's annoyed with You'll like this part. This is the ironic part. Okay. He's annoyed with traders and folks now and bankers who don't understand the opioid crisis is spreading through the industry. He's very upset. Oh, he's that. upset that they're not acknowledging they're not, they're not getting... the crisis within Wall Street. Yes. Got it. No one discusses it. Oh, how, Why is corporate America not getting more involved? Let Good me, point. Let me provide an answer. It's because of the profits. It's because of the shareholders maybe involved with pharmaceutical companies, but just a thought. Oh, just a thought. okay. So corporations, of course, in Wall Street have really deep ties with pharmaceutical. Yes, they do. Painkillers. We've been. If you've listened to this podcast, you've heard us yep. talk about this you over bet. and over and over. Before we got a makeup person, we used to talk about this. <laughs> so private equity has gotten involved in this, of course. Um, and private equity, if you're not aware, is where very wealthy individuals pool their money and look for other opportunities to become even more wealthy and make even more people wealthy. Oh, so okay. kind of like we do in recovery. So we do, we recovery. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go into this business and make a lot of money. Let's go into nonprofit. Okay, and you and I, we will just pull our, we'll pull our 20 bucks. In education, yeah. Hey, can you can have a couple bucks for some coffee? That's Okay. So these, uh, these, these advisors and private equity firms have seen an opportunity, okay. if you will. These are the same people, of course, that are pushing fentanyl across the country. Oh, so keep, my God. keep that in mind okay. as, as so we, the, look, yeah. we look at this. One of these uh, gentlemen, billionaire John Paulson, um, has a hedge fund along with a fellow named Steve Cohen, you might know, and was asked in June by the Food Administra- Drug Administration to stop selling the opioid Opana ER. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We t- I think we talked about that. We did talk that. about that. Um, so you see that this folk, this person here who is um, selling an opioid also sees an opportunity to get into treatment. To invest in treatment in, programs. In treatment, yes. Okay. So um, how do, where do I go here? Let's see. Meanwhile, the money keeps flowing into the treatment industry. Um, Summit. Behavioral Health Care Network of Addiction Centers announced that a private equity firm is going to be taking them over and taking a controlling okay. stake. So oh, okay. what does that tell you as a as a budding, um, how would we say, 
Well, you basically can have corporate corporate money flowing, which means you're going to yeah. have investors who are going to want dividends. Yes. They're going to want their money back plus some dividends. Exactly right. So capitalists yeah. are there to do one thing, to provide a profit to shareholders. That's right. That's and their so, purpose. Um, another billionaire, Robert Rowling, is involved in this in well, as okay. well. And um, <laughs> our favorite folks in West Palm Beach. <gasps> I love yeah. them. What are they doing? They started a program for wealthy, wealthy executives. Wealthy, okay. Yeah. So the irony is not lost on everyone that's involved in this, um, that they're working two sides of the equation here. They're, so they're making money by selling the, the yes, pills. Yes. But then they also can make money by treating people who get addicted to the pills they're selling. Indeed. And in this okay, instance, then. it's really, okay. they're focusing on very wealthy individuals. A very, very so wealthy. You can sell a bed for 15500 I'm that, in. That's some money. I'm in. Okay. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, uh, one of the gentlemen uh, quotes, it's only a matter of time before the opioid crisis pervades every single industry. I would suggest it's already happened. Uh-huh. Um, it's just been more hidden in some of these um, rich enclaves. Okay. And I think we probably run into that. Oh, I'm sure, sure, we, sure we do, particularly in our nonprofit world. <laughs> in our nonprofit world, yeah. <laughs> so uh, and there's some stuff we've already talked about okay. here about about um, deaths and opioid deaths, so we won't go into that. But um, pretty scandalous. It is scandalous to make money from selling the pills and also providing the treatment to the people when you've sold them the yeah. meds. And, wow! And this gentleman, I, I should say, um, oh. for many years, uh, we we need to go into um, poor Laird, his you know uh, Trey Laird, his his background. Okay. It's pretty hardcore. Do you mind if you've got a minute? We have a minute. Go ahead. Yeah, he he attended a Manhattan prep school. Was vice president. <laughs> of the Dartmouth College fraternity that inspired the, the movie Animal House. Wow. And landed jobs at top investment banks. Okay. So this guy's had a hard row to hoe. He has. He's had a tough way. But he had an, an emergency. We are act. being elitist. Do you I'm, know that? I, oh, we are, are we, being elitist right I think, now. I think We're making fun of people who had opportunities we didn't have. I think the German term is schadenfreude, ah. which means you experience joy at other people's damage. <laughs> you you love about this story is somebody with his background having a problem. Is well, it touches everyone, here? doesn't it? It touches everyone. <laughs> but sometimes people invite it up on themselves. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he, he, so the poor, the poor chap had an emergency appendectomy, uh-huh. and that landed him in the hospital. And okay. so he walked out with a bunch of painkillers, and then that's how he got. That's how he got addicted. Caught okay. up on OxyContin, of course. Yeah. Um, so with the, when the financial crisis was looming and he realized he would not make as many millions of dollars as he once thought, uh-huh. he, he went into the treatment. Went into treatment. And he found a lot of um, what you would call enlightenment. So Lighthouse, which he runs with another trader. Okay. That's <laughs> imagine so funny that, to me. Is unlicensed, okay. offering no therapy or counseling on the premises. Nothing. Nothing. It's Except just, it just sounds like sober living. It's just a, a really expensive sober living. Sober living. Home. Okay. Uh, there's seaside vistas, you know, chef prepared meals, trainers, personal housekeeping, all the comforts of home for male professionals. Okay. Um, the idea is they'll be there for a month and maybe seek help somewhere else. And they'll be about $15,500 lighter. Okay. Um, so it's really the idea is that they find camaraderie with like minded people, which for our readers means. Rich folk. <laughs> so, uh, 
Which you have an obvious feeling about. <laughs> well, whenever you have uh, uh, equity firms getting involved in I know, it's bad. treatment centers, you realize there's going to be some problems. Yes, you heard a, it first on our I know, in case it hasn't podcast. occurred to you before, but yeah. yeah, equity investment and treatment. And actually, there's been, in fact, that leads to um, what I'm going to be talking about when we get to the ethics, because they're actually, we've had one of those corporations recently in California fail. Really? Yeah. So we're going to have a little talk about that. So, so what happens when they yeah. fail? You know? so yeah. Th- anyway, I can I can go on with, with my radical political economy. Um, but actually, I think if we shift. Let's shift. Let's shift, because my ethics <laughs> challenge, which is my favorite, <laughs> addiction counselor is acting badly. I love this. If you're an addiction counselor, you can get out your CCAP ethics codes to follow along. We have a link on our atypicalpodbean.com. Okay, Gary, I'm going to read this story. Again, we have to figure out what ethics have been violated now. Right in front of you. Again, because this is just lovely that we happen to have this at the same time, because this this just came out this week. (laughs) It's called Clean Collapse. Workers left in limbo by rehab closure. Oh, oh, here we go again in Long Beach. Uh, they closed abruptly December fourth, displacing eight patients, leaving about twenty-five locals without jobs or paychecks. Mm. And uh, the facilities in Astoria closed down as well. There have been signs of major trouble over the last few months: bouncing and missing paychecks, severe understaffing, declining levels of patient care, inadequate food. Mm-hmm. Now, the owner Andrew Sanswick of West Hollywood, California, claims Clean is in the middle of a merger. However, when he originally sought approval to open Clean, he readily agreed to conditions laid out by the Long Beach leaders, assuring them that the treatment center would be good for the economy. You know, so he says we're in the middle of a merger as the insurance companies and bankers have systematically dismantled our industry. We're refocusing and rebuild off the existing assets upon completion of the merger, which will allow us to design a delivery system for behavioral health within the constrictions of the current and political and economic market. Wow. You were able to say that. I was able to say that. And do you know that you noticed nothing in there said anything about Paying the employees yeah, or patient employee. care. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was absent. It warms the cockles of my heart. Yeah, I think that was a statement for the investors. Yes. Okay. And in fact, reporters have not been able to verify rumors of a merger. <sighs> On October 30th, Presidential Health Care Credit Corp, a Georgia lender, had filed a federal lawsuit asking the owner, White Rabbit, for $8 million in overdue loans. And then in mid-November, the property management company sued Clean for $44,000 in overdue rent. A Clean staffer told the police Clean was closing that day and asked the officers to keep an eye on the building <laughs> by evening. Just- <laughs> Everybody was gone. The assets. They wanted to protect the asset. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, in better times, they had actually served up to 30 patients, employed 50 to 80 people, but Mm -hmm. the census fluctuate a lot. And so, you know, they had laid off and fired dozens or more workers, falling really low um, because of the patient numbers. And then October, paychecks started being handwritten. Okay, that's not a good sign. The payroll was being processed. Eight paychecks bounced. And then when they did get staff, finally got paid again, everybody ran to the bank because they were afraid that their check wouldn't pass. Apparently, patient care was declining, as you could 
only imagine <laughs> as your staff is, you know, not being paid, they're starting to have a feeling about coming to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, feelings, <laughs> feelings, yeah. <laughs> Anger was probably top. And so so what the what the people who remained said is that the clients that were left were not getting good care, not even close to what they're supposed to be getting, so little structure accountability that mm-hmm. in fact the staff themselves started urging the patients. To go to another treatment center. Oh, oh, that's all bad, Gary. That's bad. Okay, so the clients knew what was going on. It was hard not to to know. It's a whole lot ugly here. And then this Tuesday, the workers learned they lost their jobs via text message. That sounds familiar, oh. a la Trump. Um, yeah. And then the patients themselves made plans to move to other rehabs. And then, you know, some of them just said they'd have to go live in their car. So anyway, oh. employees... Say they've done the math, and they say conservatively that the rehab had been grossing about $450,000 a month, mm-hmm. about a third of the company's $1.5 million monthly overhead. And in fact, one employee said they saw a manager handling a $70,000 check from an insurance company. In the same month, they were told there was no money for payroll. So mm-hmm. there's some serious questions about yeah. where is the money going? We know it is not going to the staff. It's not going to the staff. and. If there this, we go. If this is not a signpost to the dangers there you go. of allowing market forces exactly. to be involved in, in serving our most vulnerable folks, I don't know what is. There it is. So that's why, isn't that timely that they work, well, those two worked out together today? Indeed. I, I love this. It and is so, a, a lesson for us all. So when we look at what, what are we doing here uh, with our, our credential, our code of conduct, oh, oh my good. Well, you know. Basically, we have the whole uh, principle too, uh, yes. meaning, let's see, where are we? Um, I saw stuff. Where is it? We're uh, not actually giving them. There it is. Not in F, which was 2F, engaging in the practice of addiction counseling, being present where services are admitted. Uh, they're not, you know, the employees themselves are not, you know, participating, um, failing to maintain records. Um, violating federal law. Violating so federal law, not providing um, the treatment that the clients have, have paid for, um, okay. all kinds of things in here. Right. Yeah. Okay. Failing to treat colleagues and other professionals with respect. Yeah. <laughs> Exploiting Legal. relationships with, you know, clients and other staff members. Legal standards. You know, asking standards. people to work without paying them. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, not not actively making attempts to get the clients the care they need, just kind of letting the clients just dangle just, until... Just turn them out yeah. in the wild. That's pretty oh, much my God. Happens. You know, and one of the things I, I didn't put in here, but one of the, the things in the article they had <laughs> mentioned was one of the major signs of concern were the empty refrigerators. That, that so would they, do it. they weren't even feeding them. Was yeah. that related to those folks in Kentucky? Maybe they're the... Oh, yeah, the food stamp people. Involved. <laughs> Yeah, here's the food stamp yeah, table that we had last time. You're right, Gary. You're right. We wondered what happened Did to this her. this place have a restaurant? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, there, that's, that's a particularly horrific story. It is a horrific story. Of what story. happens when you let it be all about the money. And all I, about the money. And here's just a reminder, folks, that, you know, we like to we like to slam on the government all the time. <laughs> you know, that's an important thing we just do as Americans. But there are some things that government does very well. Yeah. And that is we take care of the commons. We take care of those things that are common to all of us and everyone that's part of this country. We are able to provide services for them that are in need. And some things should not be subject to market forces. 
yeah. basic care like this should not yeah. be. Basic care. And this is the the yeah. this is the, the result of what happens um, when market forces are involved in providing essential care. Yeah, there it is. They Again, our argument. Away. There's our there's our they argument. They walk away. Yeah. And they're walking away with the money. It's it's. Oh yeah, somebody's got that that seventy thousand dollar check in their purse. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's not me. Yeah, it was not me either, honey. So I'm but... not carrying a purse today, but if I, <laughs> if I was, since I'm wearing so much makeup. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you'd look so, spiffy. Yeah, yeah. I need to really cheer myself up now because I'm I'm getting kind of dark and it's the <laughs> okay. holidays. It's a seasonal. Oh, seasonal affective, affective yeah. disorder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or um, there's other terms for that too. Sad. I'll leave it. Yeah. I'll leave it where it is. So maybe we can shift interest here um, to something that we find really fascinating about prevention. Prevention. Yay. Okay. So we can't prevent right now the capitalists taking over some of these treatment centers. No, we can't. But we're going to work on that. That's for a later a later time. But let's move into something that is working. How about this? Working out for recovery. A local gym promotes exercise for addiction and mental illness. Oh, cool. Okay. So kind of cool. Yeah. This is out of Madison, Wisconsin. All right. Which, if you've been to Madison, is kind of um, it's kind of like Santa Cruz, but with no ocean. Really? Yeah, yeah. Or no bay. It's it's very, you know, uh, forward-thinking uh, oh, place. I did not know that. Place, place to be, yes. And so uh, here's the deal. This, this, this gym, uh, they promote, of course, is a perfect place to build muscle, strength, and for some, a new life. So mm-hmm. the idea... Uh, is this gal, Katie Kiss. Katie Kiss, okay. KK. Um, <laughs> who oversees the Badger Fitness location in Madison. So um, the idea is to transform your physique. It takes a lot of work and, and exercise and, and repetition and support. And Kiss tells you this also changes your life. Oh, absolutely. It's not, changing your life is not so different than working out. That's the whole idea. That's the connection. Okay. So if okay. you're doing reps, yeah. you're strong with your muscles, you're also getting reps with your mind, your heart. That's true. The whole spirit. thing's connected. It's all connected. all connected. So she, of course, has a personal story. She was arrested in, in 2013 on burglary charges. She was addicted to heroin and Kiss really felt stuck. She okay. said she wanted to have a baby. She wanted to have a family. She wanted a normal life um, and really working out, got her moving in the right direction. She walked into this Badger Fitness place three years ago and that's when the transformation started. And she said, you know, I love the people in the environment. It's it's really about changing paths, and this is true, mm. changing paths in your brain to create new behaviors. Oh, yeah, we create new, um, we grow new neurons, actually. Yeah, neural Lay down new neural pathways. pathways. You're no. exactly right. And so exactly there, right. this is really exciting to me because for so many years we said, you know, you can't, no, once you're damaged, you're just damaged. Oh, yeah. But no. That's not true. No, not at all. Neuroplasticity I mean, is in, baby. It's, it's in, baby, and I'm excited about it because, you know, this might help me too. <laughs> so, um the idea here, and I have to apologize, but this is a line out of the article. She did the heavy lifting to build herself back Whoa. up. Oh, <laughs> we, need, we need some kind of bad sound for that. Okay. So, you know, I won't go into that. She's talking about squats and stuff like that. But the idea is you get in there, you work hard. And over time, which is the most important mm-hmm. thing, you start feeling better and you start trusting yourself. You start knowing that, oh. You know, I'm kind of, I'm doing this really hard thing. I'm getting better at it. And you can translate that experience to other things in your life. Very cool. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, wait, this is kind of hard. And you can reflect on, oh, yeah, when I was at gym, this was hard too. And I started three years ago. And now I look where I'm at now. And it's it's kind of a life lesson. So she, of course, is very, um, I'll call her a disciple almost. Mm-hmm. She wants to help other people do the same thing. 
And she's, she's suggesting that about 30% of the folks that come there are, there's some type of addiction, you know, drugs, uh-huh. alcohol, gambling. Um, and there's this gal here, Katie's friend, who talks about this. These are her words. I was afraid I was going to be a worthless junkie, Aww. which is not a nicest thing to say, of course. But um, Wood, this other person, her friend came in and she, now she's working on another Badger Fitness location. So, okay. So they're growing. Yeah, they're growing. It's just, just really kind of cool. So the idea here is this is for them a lot more fun than any partying because you feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, you look better for yourself, whatever that looks like. Um, makeup's not helping today for me, but uh, <laughs> she's still, uh, and, and you know, these it's really transformed their lives. So Katie Kiss now has uh, met her husband. Whoa, she's got a child. Wow. Yeah, they're both fit. They're, they're, they're living a really good life. And, you know, I... Yeah. To me, this was just really cool. That is a lovely article. That's yeah. very nice. Yeah, you know, I've known clients who did that that really, um, because I think there's the other part, part of it is the discipline and the structure. Yes. Because a lot of yes. our clients, you know, they, they come out of particularly a long period of using. Mm-hmm. Their life's been really chaotic, missing structure. And so there's something about that, having somewhere to go, mm-hmm. um, having a purpose. Mm-hmm. I've even had clients actually start uh, competing Oh, wow. Like female clients who become like female bodybuilders, which is really a trip. Mm. You know, they seriously, you know, they're all into it. They start eating particular ways. But, you know, I think there there is a certain amount of personal satisfaction when you can transform yourself like that physically. I agree. Yeah. And, and just so people realize that the, the benefits of exercise, you don't have to go to the gym. <laughs> you don't have to spend money. You can just go walk. Well, you can. You can go look at trees. For whatever's left in, in the area that we live. Yes, we could. Um, so th- those are also things that are very. Well, important. let me ask you this because you're because you're a cyclist, dude. Yeah. Do guys like you that particularly when you do cycling professionally, do they actually work out at a gym or do they just ride? Well, these days they they do. Some they do. of the pros do work out in the gym now because okay. the core strength is a very good aspect for cycling. Okay. And so. Uh, some of them do, but they don't want to build bulk. That's know? what I was wondering. Yeah. So you want, to, you want to do strength training? I'm not, not a bulky guy. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, you're aerodynamic, yeah. Gary. Legs strong. You're designed don't to, to like, a bunch of, go through the wind. That's what yeah, you're designed That's about it. So you, but there is something to be said for, for rigorous exercise. It, it really does. Um, it puts you right with yourself. Yeah. You know? That's mm-hmm. all. You, you can be no other place. Because either you're putting yourself into suffering or you're thinking, I need to slow down so I... <laughs> So I don't die. I I mean, music and arts do the same thing. Right. In a different kind of. That's true. Yeah, the idea is that it shifts your head space. It's a meditation. It shifts your space. It does. It really does. Okay. All right. Well, now we get to go to our last section, one of my favorites, Humility Moment. Humility Moment, where we get to tell, um, remind ourselves not to take ourselves too seriously. And we know that's a key to burnout prevention. So who wants to go first? You want to go first? You want to go first? I, I can go this week, Gary. I Throw have to down. report. Throw it down. That I have once again managed to demonstrate my lack of depth perception. <laughs> I managed to sideswipe the fence at my office, crack the fence, and now oh. I'm unable to open the passenger oh. door because I am a doofus. At your office. And this is what's really this, Gary. This is not the first time I've had to fix that fence. <laughs> How's the car? I, I I should have the fence guy on retainer. I, I don't know. Why don't you just take the fence down? <laughs> Where's the fun in that? Yeah, yeah. So I did have the car estimated, Gary, and it, it would take more to fix the car than trade it in. So Ooh. you know, at this point, 
what I'm probably going to do over the holidays is at some point I'm going to have to like, clean out my car because I did see on the commercial the Enterprise will take anything. <laughs> so, Wait, you seriously, your car is that damaged? Yeah, yeah. Oh it would goodness. cost like, I mean, I literally cannot open the passenger door. Oh, so you, I, were, yeah. you really. So I'm driving around with like that. And it said, yeah. yeah. You, you're wearing glasses. Yeah, I know. And you, yeah, I know. I have you, a really hard time on the right side. I tend to sideswipe things. Yeah, on the right. right side. Just know that when you park next to me. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not going to. I don't. I do great on the left. You do, yeah, you do know what I drive. So, I do. Unfortunately. <laughs> but, you know, it just reminded me once again why I can't have nice things, Gary. I cannot have a nice car. In fact, usually nice when I buy a car, the only question I ask is how bad a beating can this thing take? Are you, you left-handed? <laughs> Are you left handed? No, no, we're not. No, no, but I have trouble with that side. Really, I think it, that's really frightening. Isn't look it? into that. Yeah, I know, I know. Could be a always had that. I always, I'm on the clumsy side here. Ocular thing. Yeah, well, well, there you go. That okay. was mine. Well, I'm seeing a theme here. My theme is not related to yours, but we have the same themes. Um, we've talked about shaving. We've talked about <laughs> food in cars. Yes, we have. Um, I had another shaving incident. Uh oh. Um, and some of you, you, since it's not telecast and we're making wearing makeup anyway, um, I have what they call stubble. Yes, you do. Very manly. But it's yeah, it's a rugged, it's a rugged thing. You know, mm -hmm. I try to feign that it's rugged. Yeah, more rugged. Really, really yeah. not. But it does take some <laughs> uh, maintenance, you know. And I have to toggle between an electric shaver and a regular blade. Ah. And so the problems with me seem to be the electric shavers. Okay. And, um, so we know that we per I purchased another one because the little fault switch one. That's exactly so I right. I remember one. that. And and also, you know, I have to shave with regular stuff, you know, like water and that little type of gel thing, mm -hmm. right? What you shouldn't do is shave with the electric one and uh -huh. then put it in the water because <gasps> you think you're doing that. Gary! Now, fortunately, oh my God. it's not plugged in because okay. it's metal. Okay, oh, thank God. But it went, it stopped. <laughs> but for... For our audience oh, at home, no. it's working again. It dried okay, out. It's fine. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's when you know you're pretty tired. You know. Oh, thank so, God it wasn't plugged in. Yeah, well, yeah, they, that would have been very bad. The electric one, you can't. The metal one, it won't work if it's plugged in. Okay. Thank God. Oh my God. Because you should have, have things that plug in, Gary. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. The other one. The other one will plug in and work, but okay. it's a plastic handle. This oh, one's a okay. metal. Oh, gear. Yeah. yeah, it could have been. A, that could have been bad. Yeah, it could have been an electrifying experience. Yes, it could have been. So uh, I just kind of looked at it. <laughs> I threw it down and said, what the? You know? Yeah. And then just moved on. <laughs> and thought, I already have a backup if it doesn't work. That's right. Yes, you bought the, the extra first one. one. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was covered. I was covered. There. You are. You are. You but are now, razor works. covered, buddy. It works. Okay. It dried out. It works. Okay. But, so apparently, you know what I'm wondering? If you're not the first person who ever did that, which is they designed it for that. They have some that are the wet. Okay. Uh, they work, but that's, this isn't one of them. Okay. And I don't have, I'm not going to buy another one. No. <laughs> Santa does not need to bring you another no, electric razor. And I do need, I do wear glasses. And so they were, glasses were not on. Okay. Um, <laughs> Because how do you wear glasses out of the shower, you know? Well, I have the same problem. I mean, I don't. You I kind just, of fumble yeah. around and, you know. It happens. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Okay, well, Anyways, I'm glad so, you're in uh, one piece. I'm glad I'm in one piece. I'm going to get off the food and the shaver is Okay, and, and, and I'm going to, you know, eventually get a car with all the doors open. And I'm going to park away from you. <laughs> you're going to park away from me. <laughs> That's our <laughs> message. <laughs> 
Okay, y'all. Well, we're probably saying happy holidays for today because I don't think we're going to reconvene until after Christmas. But happy holidays to you, Gare. Happy holidays Glad to you. Glad we're doing this. Me too. Our okay. 10th is coming up. Yep. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.